It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Coming to you live from an undisclosed, possibly stormy, definitely humid location in Boca Raton, which I only want to call Del Boca Vista since I've been here. Not anywhere near Palm Beach Atlantic Southeastern Sunshine Sailfish State University, where the Patriots have been, Andrew Callahan, Zach Cox, Dakota Randall, both of Nesson. We are here to get ready for some real football with the help of our friends at High Noon, who don't know that our friends, but <laughs> let's just be honest, it's Thursday, we're in South Florida, we're going to enjoy ourselves. So I mentioned... Uh, the Patriots are obviously practicing down here. They flew down on Tuesday. We've seen two practices. The fields are soccer fields and lacrosse fields normally, but now they belong to the Patriots with their makeshift field goals. Overall, good move, bad move, or aside from that, what's your major takeaway about the Mignon here? I mean, I guess if they win, it's a good move. Um, they have to do something different uh, to kind of reverse <laughs> the, uh, the Miami curse, so to speak. Um, I know, I think it was Bart Scott this week, on one of those hot take shows said it's a desperation move. Maybe that's a little bit strong, but you can always count on Bart Scott for some Patriots positivity. Yeah. I mean, I think desperation is a, a bit strong, but it it's very clear that they are placing a lot of emphasis and prominence on this game. So I don't think they would be doing this if they were seven and two in Miami over the last couple of years. Right. It seems like their Bill Belichick has recognized that the humidity is an issue. The, the climate is an issue. They just want to give the team an extra couple of days to get used to that. But the fact that it's, it is where it is. If this was at Florida Atlantic, I don't think I would really question it at all. I was like, all right, well, Patriots want to go practice down in Florida for a couple of days. The fact that Palm beach Atlantic that doesn't have a football team, that the Patriots are practicing on soccer fields slash lacrosse fields. The grass doesn't look great. It's just enrollment of like 3000 and change. Like to me, the fact that they're there speaks to the, seriousness with which they wanted to be there like it would be easy to say oh we can post up at fau or fiu obviously not an option all of these teams are playing like the fact that you kept searching and landed on this says no matter what we were going to find a way to practice down here yeah and i I don't think the question is you know is there a value value in coming down here and acclimating to the heat i think that's obvious i think just being here it's insanely hot it's insanely humid especially when you're away from the coast and inland like it's it's really hot like i think that all that stuff is legit the question is, why now are they suddenly caring this much about acclimating to the heat? And they started the season in 2014 in Miami. I don't think they did this trip. And so I think it's because I think Zach alluded to it. They're two and seven, the last nine trips to Hard Rock Stadium. And I think it's more about, I think more than, any, especially during the Tom Brady years, they can't afford to get off to a slow start this season. Yeah. And talking to the guys today, they didn't really seem to care. Like you can tell they're probably not thrilled about standing next to a makeshift field goal pulse that's held together by rope and bags of sand. They're literally tying it down 
to the ground. But David Andrews is like, look, I played in worse. It's all football. There's no family. There's no distractions. And to think of what the win would win, the win would mean in Miami, you're not only one to know, you're one to know in the division. Right. You've won a road game in a place that obviously you haven't. And you've also beaten a team you're going to be fighting for a wild card spot, which I think is all of this is to say the Patriots will downplay. It's one game. It's one opener, arguably one of the least important on our schedule. But they're pushing a lot of eggs into this basket. And I think it's worth it. It kind of uh, – I agree with you there. And it kind of goes – it's been funny to hear Bill Belichick kind of downplay the the whole first month of the season saying it's kind of a, an extension of the preseason. And that's true to the extent that I don't think you're going to see the kind of full Patriots team until a month or so into the year, just because that's what the NFL is. It takes teams a little while to kind of come together and gel and, and find their identities and whatnot. But with the Patriots don't have Tom Brady anymore. The margin for error is so slim their schedule is so difficult in the back half that I don't think the Patriots can can kind of downplay the importance of these first four games. And I'm sure Bill Belichick is not doing that internally to his team because the Patriots go one and three or zero and four in these first four games. It's it's really difficult to imagine them climbing out of that hole. And then this game, even though it is week one, you can easily imagine a situation where the uh, Patriots and the Dolphins are both eight win teams or nine win teams potentially going into week 17. And this is going to keep one of those teams out of the playoffs and get one of those teams into the playoffs. So right. yeah, yeah, it's, there's just a lot of variables and it is an extremely important game for the Patriots. Yeah. Me and Zach talk, talked about this. Maybe the Patriots are going to be a lot better this season than we and a lot of other people think they are, but I don't, we've talked about it. I don't know if you can go through this schedule and look at any game and say, yeah, that's, that's a scheduled win for the Patriots. Maybe the bears game. I was going to say maybe so one maybe, Monday night, in maybe, October maybe the or... bears game, but like last year, there was that really soft middle portion of the schedule this year. I mean, I think it's really that four week stretch where I think it's, it's the, uh, the, the, the Browns, the bears, the jets the Lions, and the lions, yeah, and the, yeah. but even the lions, like I could talk myself into the lions pulling off an upset. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but I could see it happening. So I just think it's it's really they can't bank on any win this season. So I think it's as as important as it's ever been for them to win all these games. And so they're pushing, like you said, all their chips in on this on this game against the Dolphins. Yeah, and let's remember this is a place where even Tom Brady struggled. Like their only win here in their last five right. drives is Brady forty three nothing. The Dolphins are actively leaking talent. They're taking under Brian Flores, but then those same Dolphins come up and beat them in Foxborough. Two and seven in their last nine. I think sticking here on Sunday, there's a lot of newness here. Mike McDaniel, obviously, Tyree Kill here. All the guys we've been asking the guys to practice. But when you look at the Patriots offense, there's also a lot of new variables. And we've talked about this to death like on your podcast, on Nesson Television, on this podcast. When they finally roll it out, and I've written about this, I think the way Miami plays defense is going to force them to tip their hand more than you would think anyway in an opener when you're finally playing for keeps. It's a man coverage. It's blitzes. I'm curious about their answers for that, considering they saw more man coverage and more blitzing than anyone else in the league last year. When you look at how they're playing offense, what intrigues you? Just how the offensive line is going to look in this game. I think it's been the single number one issue of this entire summer for the Patriots, just in terms of changing personnel, changing coaching, and changing that scheme and the kind of unique uh, communication nuances that, that are involved there. It just hasn't looked good so far. Uh, we haven't watched this team in a full practice or a full game in, in about two weeks now. So they have had some time to, for their sake, hopefully clean some things up and, and kind of dial in on, on some of those uh, things that just really weren't clicking during, during the regular season. But it doesn't matter how talented Matt Jones is. It doesn't matter how good those running backs are. It doesn't matter how deep 
this pass catching group is yeah. if the Patriots offensive line plays the way it did during the preseason, this offense is going nowhere. It's they haven't been able to block in the run game. And especially with those, those outside zone runs that they've been putting in and they haven't been able to protect Mac Jones. And that's, it's, it's boring, but it's important. Well, the Patriots yeah. need, I'm glad you brought well it up, up front. because yeah. it is boring. It's unsexy. It doesn't make for good fodder. This will not be the preview or the teaser I send out on Twitter <laughs> when we publish this episode, but it is important because even just from the standpoint of the offensive line comprises, you know, five out of 11 guys on that roster. Okay. 45% of your offense is all those dudes up front. If you are in any business or in any sort of team where 45% of the people are not carrying their weight, you're going to fail. Okay. 55%, even if you ace the rest is a failing grade. Now it is unsexy. So we can't really jump off of that, but is there any other position group or kind of matchup that you're looking for or RPOs or anything new with this? I just, I think the most intrigue for me is I just want to see, you guys talked about it. Like, do they go out and run all the stuff that we saw during the offseason that didn't work out well? All the Shanahan-like stuff that we talked about, all the stretch runs, all those zone reads, all those things. Did they one? Did they fix that? All those issues over the last two weeks. And if so, like, are they confident enough? in with how clearly uh, important they're taking this game, how bad they they want to win it, are they confident going out there and running those kinds of plays in this game, or do they dial it back, play things safe, do more bread and butter Patriots offensive plays, power runs? the pass and plays that we're used to seeing. I expect them to do a lot of hurry up and up tempo given yeah. the success that they have with that during the practice during practices that we saw. But I think, again, I think it's imperative for them to get off to a fast start in this game. And so an easy way for that not to happen is to do some of the stuff that lets a Mac Jones just getting killed in the pocket during the soft season. So I just want to know, again, do they do this new offensive stuff that we've seen or do they dial it back and play it safe to try and give themselves the best position to get it, to get a win? Yeah, and it's funny because some of their confidence going into this game, obviously, is what they've done the last two weeks. Because you mentioned we haven't seen them in a full practice or full game. The last time they did in Las Vegas, it was ugly. Very ugly bad. enough, I think they kept the starting offense out there longer than they originally intended because it was, we just can't end on this note with Mac getting sacked, all these runs going backwards. So they kept playing, got close to the end zone, but obviously kicked the field goal and lose that game against the Raiders. Now, the other part of their confidence is going to be, we're holding back a lot. And I've been told that they were holding back a lot in those joint practices, a time when, you know, the public's there and other teams there, but you really want to get better at this new stuff you're installing. They saved some of that for the last two weeks. Now, a lot of that, of course, is going to fall on Mac Jones's plate. And you can make an argument, like I think you kind of were, put more of this on his plate because the running game's going nowhere. You're best when you're in spread and shotgun. The risk of that, though, obviously, is you leave yourself a little bit more vulnerable to the blitz. How much of this game do you want to see in Mac Jones's hands, understanding there's an obvious benefit, but a real drawback for a guy who just can't afford to get hurt looking ahead for the rest of the season? Well, as you mentioned it, the best, yeah, this offense looks the best, in my opinion, this summer when it was operating in those spread two minute hurry up type things where it, it was, it was different than, than the kind of plotting Patriots kind of offense that we saw last year. It's when they did spread it out a little bit more, give Matt Jones a little bit more kind of leeway to, to sort of do his thing in the passing game. Uh, obviously you can't do that every play. And I don't think the Patriots will, No, but that was their most effective setup throughout the offseason. So I do think, you should see more of that. I think you should see more of the kind of attacking downfield throws, especially we saw back in the spring, Mac Jones was excellent on deep passing. Mini camp, yeah. Yeah, in minicamp, obviously minicamps, no pads, and we didn't see quite as much of that in training camp. But he's shown the ability to do it. He showed the ability to do it in college. I'm interested to see how much of the Alabama-type uh, things that the Patriots may mm -hmm. bring back in this game. Because as you were mentioning, I think there's we're going to see things from the Patriots in this first game 
that we just haven't seen at all that are brand new. We say, wow, we didn't see that in training camp. Yeah. What are they doing? Because triple like, option. Hello. Like, like, like every team, it doesn't benefit you to put those plays out when either fans or reporters or a television audience can be watching it. Every single team is going to be saving things for the regular season. And especially since the Patriots are going through such a drastic, it seems shift offensively. I, I think there's going to be stuff that are still in that bag that we don't even know about yet. And we're going to find out on Sunday. The other side of that though, is, you know, because I'm in that camp too, if you spread it out against a high blitz team, the dolphins were second in blitz rate last year was almost 40%. It helps Max see the field, identify blitzers, make checks and calls. That's his superpower, like play to that superpower. If you stop running the ball or take the emphasis away from running the ball, which obviously that was their goal last year is to run, 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 run. You're taking the ball out of the hands of two of your better players on offense. Like, I don't know if you would make, many people would make an argument that Damian Harris and Reminder Stevenson are better than a Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker are at their jobs. And when you look at Parker, look, I, for facing a team that's going to play a ton of man coverage, the guy who ranks second to last in separation in the NFL over the last two years is not the guy you really want winning in those situations, especially if you're seeing Damian Howard. So there might be something to having a good balance early on, but when push comes to shove, I think they'll probably lean into the shotgun, three receivers out wide, and try to pick their matchup there. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that's interesting is we were talking to Ramondre Stevenson yesterday, and he was asked how much confidence he has in the running game. And like, if, if you read it at face value, it almost sounds like a boilerplate answer, like, yeah, I feel confident in it. But he had this look to him like that he he wanted to say more, but that he didn't. And so maybe maybe they did figure stuff out over the last two weeks, and maybe the running game is going to be much better in this game than we saw during the offseason. But personally, like, to go back to the original question, I think, like, Mac Jones has to throw a lot in this game. He has to play very well for them to win. You talked about it. Even those joint practices against the Raiders, the second day they had the good drive that ended the practice. And the second day they had a few good drives, especially at the end, but there weren't a lot of running plays in those. It was mostly pass heavy. And so I think it's got to be a lot of what you're saying. I think he's got to air it out and do it off. And one, one more quick point on the running game. I've seen people talking about how Bill Belichick will, will, shift and, and he'll he'll adapt that's that's the word i'm looking for he'll adapt if things aren't working if, if the the zone the outside zone running just is not getting off the ground as we saw in the preseason if that continues he'll just say all right fine we tried it's not going to work we're going to go back to what we did yeah. before the patriots can't go back to what they did before because they don't have the personnel that they used to have you can run normal straight ahead uh power runs gap runs stuff like that you don't need a fullback to do that but the patriots can't just say all right, well, this, this new stuff's not working. Let's just go back to the running game we had last year just because it's it's not possible anymore unless they want to use Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry as a as a lead-blocking fullback on every yeah. play. It's going to have to look different than it was last year, even if it doesn't look the same as we saw this summer. Yeah, and I think part of that is on us to begin with, which, look, we can only do so much with two OTA practices, two minicamp practices. We convey, is this a new offense? Is it a Shanahan-style offense? Is it really the old just with an emphasis? Is it a streamline? Like, this has been an evolving method of our you know or description of the, the offense as we get more information so i understand why there's a lot of confusion and that idea of oh let's just go back to the old stuff because all of it's new when really it isn't new like yeah. we, we know outside zone has been in this playbook for a while and the other part about why you just can't go back to the old stuff a because it's already here is the reason that they wanted to pivot to the outside zone is because of how it marries with the new play action bootleg game and so if you remove that you're really removing all of those play action throws which you've seen, you know, the Broncos in the 90s and 2000s, most recently the Rams, the Niners, the Packers, the Titans, everybody running to this style of offense because it's timeless. It works. But if you don't have that foundation of the running game, 
it's not that you can't run play action with an ineffective running game. It's just that if I don't need to believe there's going to be a handoff, I'll just come hunting for your quarterback. And then those play action passes become sacks. And those runs still go for short gains because you you can't block them. And on those rollout bootleg types, that's going to get your quarterback killed. If, if they know that that's going to be a, a bootleg the other side, when, when they say, all right, there's no way he's handing it to Ramondre Stevenson on the stretch run that's going to get blown up for a negative two yards. Yeah. The cornerback blitzing off the back end, that's going to be right in Matt Jones' face, and that's yeah. not what you want at all. Yeah, and another point about the Patriots doing stuff that maybe they haven't always done, especially in the last few years, I think they have to have a downfield element to the passing game this weekend. Like if, if the running game gets stuffed, as I think a lot of people are concerned, it might be, they just can't do short passes to Kobe Myers and shallow crossers to John Smith, the Hunter Henry all day long. It's going to go nowhere. The Dolphins are going to change the field and the Patriots are going to get stuffed. I think they have to get some downfield element in this. I don't know if that's Devontae Parker, maybe Nelson Aguilar. He looked better this training camp. Maybe they get that going, but I think that has to show up this season because it just hasn't, especially last year, last season and really the last couple of years. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you of the three sweetest words in the world. Football is back. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest odds for NFL and college, plus news and matchup information, including this year's opening week games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. You can always find the fastest and always find the easiest way to bet in your favorite sports. There's football and also MLB. Their playoffs are coming up, plus MMA tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag right now to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Again, that's a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to receive rewards. Again, the promo code CLNS50 for a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's only at BetOnline, where the game starts. As we wrap up when the Patriots have the ball here, and then we'll go to when Miami's on offense facing the Patriots defense, like, give me one area you feel most confident in from the Patriots standpoint, a certain matchup. And we're, we're going to close, as a spoiler alert here, with a 3-2-1 close. Um, three matchups, two keys, and then one extra point final thought. So without going, you know, totally maybe matchup specific, but an area or part of the offense you feel best about and then worst about when you think about how Miami wants to play, the players are going to have Byron Jones in their corner, but Xavier Howard still is a good front four. Like this is a defense that brought back more starters and experience than anyone in the league. Yeah. It sounds counterintuitive because I said earlier that the, the offensive line hasn't played well and we've just talked about the run game struggles. But when the Patriots did use their kind of traditional straight-ahead running during the preseason, they were pretty effective. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson, very good running back. Damian Harris, very good running back. Obviously, the the quote-unquote new stuff, the 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 Shanahan influence, uh, all those things weren't really there during the preseason. But even you, you even saw in the Raiders game when they just said, "All right, we're going to hand this guy the ball right up the middle." Ronja Stevenson's going to get six, seven yards on you that. You give so, the ball to your best players, good things happen. Like sometimes think, it's that simple. Yeah, I, and I think the fact that the running game has had so many issues this summer kind of has overshadowed the fact that the running game was the strength of the Patriots' offense last year, and both of their top running backs are back. And theoretically, Ramondre Stevenson should be better now that he's not a rookie and he's in his second season. Um, had a really good offseason by all indications. A slimmer, going to be more of a role in the passing game. I think you still have a very big strength in that running back room. And at least the kind of more traditional elements of that did look pretty good this summer. Yeah. And for me, one, one matchup or one player that I, I feel like I can bank on is Jacoby Myers at this point, regardless of who's on him. I just think 
there was a lot of buzz about Devontae Parker early in camp, but I think as camp went on, Jacoby Myers really separated himself as the best, as the top receiver on the team. Whether he's the best or the most talented, I guess that's up for debate. We can talk about what it means that Jacoby Myers is the best wideout in your receiving room. He's the most productive. He's like the most that, productive. That description, not up most for debate. Most consistent, yeah. most productive. Like, I yeah. think regardless of how the Dolphins defend him, you can bank on, on Mack and him connecting on, on enough passes. And I, I feel good about that. One thing, I'm, I don't know if I'm – worried about it but i'm definitely concerned about it and really curious is, is how does cole strange do in this game yeah you know I, I think going up in his first real nfl game against a good defensive line a good front seven i think the, the big concern on him is he undersized is he ready physically for the nfl how does he do if he, if he has to go up against you know the christian wilkins of the world raekwon davis is a big player some of the, the really good players from miami up front uh i, I want to see how cole strange does and it just it wouldn't surprise me if, if i don't know if he plays terribly but if he if he struggles a bit in this game and i think that, that could be an issue for the team. big jump from the fcs to straight into a week one starting job in the nfl like yeah i think maybe not a lot of not enough people have taken that into consideration this is he's not going to be playing uh, western carolina in this game this is going to be it's a significant step up there for yeah. it's funny you say that because after they selected him in the draft someone i knew when i was covering college who coached offensive line texted me that same thing i was mm-hmm. like what do you think you've seen him like he now works in draft prep and he's like this is a real big jump and you know you go back to the senior bowl cole strange comes on holds his own but when you look at the list and this is way back it's really not relevant to cole strange in september preparing to play in his nfl season but like he was not billed as a star in any of those all-star games. Like it was not a top 10 player rider from the senior bowl. I think that's been glossed over as we all understand there are going to be growing pains, but you're going to have growing pains from a uh, personnel standpoint, from a good defensive line from the dolphins and also a scheme standpoint where they're throwing a lot at you. Like that experience will reveal itself with the breadth of different schemes and pressures that they run because everyone's already on the same page. You're just kind of dusting it off and then expanding upon that. I'm going to co-sign in Jacoby Myers. That's an area for the Patriots offense. Absolutely feel best about, particularly against the Dolphins' now diminished corner depth. And I'm going to go with a different offensive lineman that I would be worried about. And this is if he even plays, is Isaiah Wynn. Okay, so he had one sack allowed and one quarterback hit allowed in his only preseason game. That was four drives against Las Vegas. And okay, he's been dinged up. But there's been at no point in this summer or the spring, when again, no pads, but that also tells you something, that you look at him and go, I have a lot of confidence he can do this. Yep. And part of that is some shuffling parts and you have new coaching. Obviously, there's been a drop down with Matt Patricia there, splitting his attention between the line and the offense as a whole. But he's going to see a lot of Emmanuel Agba. A guy's had nine sacks last year and the season before that. I think he needs some help. And he, even if he doesn't play, Justin Huron absolutely will need some help against Agba. So that's that's where I'd be worried. Flipping to the other side, um, I wrote this today and it's going to be in the Boston Herald tomorrow Friday so maybe you can read this later when the Patriots are on defense and defenders we've spoken to they don't sound afraid or like almost like they would welcome playing Tua okay Tua a lightning rod across the league okay prove it time for Tua is he good is he not is he average I don't care about that I care about how he's going to perform Sunday against the Patriots who've not beaten him in three matchups but in those matchups he's averaging 152 yards per game and their comments top out at like he fits the system or I don't need to do anything, but respect him. According to Matt Judon, he's an NFL player. Yeah. He's an NFL player. Do you have any, any other read on him than that? Or this week from what we've heard? No, I mean, <laughs> it, it really, I mean, it goes all the way back to, to early last season, last year's season opener. When we were talking to JC Jackson, yep. I, I think it was after the game yep. where he a- said after a loss, after a loss, when he said, yeah, that's going to happen. You play two or you expect him to throw one to you. Basically yeah. he's, he's going to have one, at least one kind of, panic throw the ball up and if you're a defense you hope you intercept it the Patriots did in that game they weren't able to win the game but yeah it's been 
even the more diplomatic players than than Matt Judon's comments on him were so hilarious. It was basically like, I don't admire Tua. I respect him because he plays in the NFL and it's hard to play in the NFL. That somebody asked him whether like what's the challenge of facing him. He said, "Oh well, he's a lefty. There's not many lefty quarterbacks in the NFL." And <laughs> he that's just does the opposite of what everyone else does. Yeah, it's not that he excels at it. That's like, basically been the the gist of all of these comments. That yeah, it, it's just interesting hearing the the quote unquote compliments of like, yeah, he's a lefty. Yeah, he uh, they win a lot of games against us when he's in there. That's that's been kind of the line from the the Devin McCourties and, and the Jalen Mills, the guys who we we're talking to today, saying, "Yeah, well, we haven't beaten him in three t- tries, so we can't really talk too much smack about him." Which is true. Yeah. But, and the Patriots did have some issues against Tua in those games, more so as a runner than as a passer. I mean, three, yeah. three of his six career rushing touchdowns came against the Patriots. A lot of those on kind of blown contained goal line type plays, but this is not a guy that should scare the Patriots. I don't think, I mean, you could yeah. expect better results from Tua this year because he's got an improved offensive line. He's got that improved set of weapons with Tyree Hill and Cedric Wilson and, uh, Jalen Waddle in his second year. So you would hope if you're a, a two anon supporter, which I'm afraid one of them is going to pop out of the here. pool, drag <laughs> you in there. We are never going to see Zach again. So, yeah. So I don't want to talk too much out of turn because I, I don't want to get jumped later on, but yeah, you would expect that he would be better this year, but he hasn't shown really anything at the NFL level, especially against the Patriots that he's a quarterback that you really have to fear. And it certainly seems like the Patriots defense, doesn't yeah and i i think he's an average quarterback i don't think he's why they've lost those last three games against him and i'm also always dubious when there's such a concerted effort to gas up a guy like that like we've heard tyree hill since he got there oh like, from miami yeah, yeah from miami like where, where tyree hill is like oh you know he's better than patrick mahomes in some areas i'm like okay you see some of the reporters in miami yeah. doing that the coach is like talking about talking about the deep ball the velocity on mike mcdaniel like, said he throws the most catchable ball he's ever coached yeah ever seen. when i started hearing that stuff i'm like okay what do you what do you really think behind the scenes you know? yeah yeah i think um too because okay we're, we're all on the same page it seems the patriots are and we say this also as people who are constantly you know imbued with the patriots throwing bouquets every single week and you notice i did last year like belichick saying makes all the throws it's kind of an indication that you suck that is a compliment that you can make all the throws but that's the indicator here he did not say that this week, which I don't know if he's pivoting, but like the praise anyway, tops out. You turn this around though. People still expect the Dolphins to win. They are a favorite. People are continuing to put money in the Dolphins. I think that's a fair bet. I think this is a more talented roster in Miami. The conversation around Tua is the inverse of what we had about Mac. The conversation around Mac is how can he elevate the rest of the team around him and how high can that go? The question for Tua is, does it matter that he's probably below average to average because the talent around him will elevate him? Is that so much of a disparity for Tua offensively and all the weapons around him that you go Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, that he shouldn't be the conversation? Like, how would you solve all of those weapons around him? Is there a good answer for that? I mean, I guess you have to sort of see what it's like on the field as kind of cop-outy as that is. Uh, you just don't know what it's going to look like yet. And, and this was probably one of the more interesting things I heard this week was from Devin McCourty when he was talking about how you go into this matchup against Tyreek Hill, who obviously the Patriots have faced like six times, five or six times in his career, torched them his first two matchups. They really held him in check the last couple. But he's saying, all right, you're going up against Tyreek Hill, who you know, but he's on a new team in a new scheme with a new head coach, a new quarterback, and that head coach has never been an NFL head coach. So you don't know what his actual scheme 
even look even looks like? What's Mike McDaniel's scheme? Is it the same as Kyle Shanahan's scheme, who he worked under, or is it different? So it's really difficult to even kind of prioritize this this Dolphins offense right now because if they come out and they score 40 points this week, nobody's going to say, man, Tua remains a real problem for this team. Maybe this does work. Maybe these yeah. guys come in and Tua does noticeably improve, even if it's because there are better people around him. I don't think anybody in Miami is really going to complain about that. So yeah. it's a little tough just because you don't have anything, any really basis to go off of right now. Yeah, and I don't think the situations are are, are totally nagless between the 49ers and, and the Dolphins. And Zach nagless, said, great word. Yeah, <laughs> and and as Zach said, we don't we don't know what Mike McDaniel's going to do, but I mean, there are some similarities in the rosters. You know, the 49ers had. You know, super athletic receiver in Debo Samuel, versatile running backs, a good tight, a great tight end in George Kittle. You know, other talent across the roster and on defense. You could say a lot of those same things about the Dolphins and the Fort. But I also always thought the 49ers off the roster was at least somewhat overrated. I thought a lot of that is what Shanahan and, and McDaniel were able to do, and they made it work with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we yeah. we can we can debate about how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. I guess, you know, I, I would say maybe he's a little bit better than Tua, but I I, I think yeah. they're comparable. Certainly think, more proven. Yeah, and but I think still. I don't see a, a huge gap between them. And, and if the 49ers can you know, go as far as they have with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and if Mike McDaniel with a somewhat similar roster and, and a lot of talent and, and a similar scheme with two at quarterback, like I think, again, if, he, if they go out there and win, the conversation is not going to be about him. Just like, well, I guess it was a conversation about Jimmy in, in, in San Francisco. But again, if they make it work, it's not really going to matter. Yeah. All right. Uh, really quickly, I think Toronto Armstead, obviously an all-pro left tackle. You're just going to have to deal with him. Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys, fine, good number three receiver. Jalen Waddle looks like he's going to play. Last year, based on his yards per catch average, he's like a souped-up Jarvis Landry with better long speed. And, like, he'll be better this year. But if you're going to lose this game like that, if you're the Patriots, and there's one thing you have to do to keep yourself from losing, it's contain Tyree Kill. Yep. This is why we keep asking about him. Your game plan for him, even understanding we don't know what the offense is like and understanding all those other players, what they have to deal with, would be what? Trust Jonathan Jones, I think. Uh, he's done a good job against Hill in these last couple of matchups. I, I know that everybody thinks back to the AFC Championship game where the Patriots just essentially bracketed Hill with Jones and Devin McCourty over the top. Uh, they didn't really do that as much in the last couple of games. and the last two matchups, they allowed Jones to have some more one-on-one -on -one matchups with Hill. And I think that's probably going to be the best bet in this game just because they you do have some other receiving threats on this Dolphins team, even though the, with the caveats you mentioned that you're probably not going to see a 75 yard touchdown from Jalen Waddle and, and Cedric Wilson is he's a good number three. He, he's not a guy yeah. that's going to break a game either, but this isn't a case where it's Tyree kill and then a gigantic drop off and then kind of some middling second and third options. Yeah. Uh, I think the Patriots, especially with the setup they have now where there's no kind of elite pro bowl caliber lockdown, number one cornerback, it's it's going to be I think they're going to play some teams a little bit differently. They're going to have to play some teams a little bit differently because they don't really have the ability unless they really trust Jalen Mills now to just go like, all right, you cover that guy. That's the number one. Take him. We'll figure everything out, everything else out. So it'll probably be so you're saying shadow Hill with Jonathan Jones just from a speed perspective. Yeah. It's probably going to be more of a group effort than maybe we've seen in right. the past just because I don't think you're going to see as many sort of you're assigned to this guy, you're assigned to this guy, you're assigned to this guy this year, uh, as we have in the past. But you need a fast guy to keep up with Tyreek Hill, and I think Jonathan Jones is is the best option. Yeah, I like that, and I'm going to add, because I will end with your game plan for him and move on to the next point. 
stick Jalen Mills and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And that's ultimately like, look, he might be quicker than Jalen Mills, but if Jalen Mills is going to be your number one corner, this is the old put the number one corner and the number two receiver bracket yeah. and double the number one, which I think to some degree has been overstated about a Belichick boy or, you know, his favorite yeah. thing. Like when you had your last number one corner, Stefan Gilmore, he took and eliminated the number one option most of 2018 and 19. Yeah. But Majority in this case, right. Given the body type and the skill set of a Jonathan Jones, like he fits with Tyree Kill better than anyone in the league as much as you can. And you'll find help, you know, based on your leverage, based on whether you're single or too high. The problem for me is, okay, you match up those two, you start dealing with Cedric Wilson. If you want to stay in too high to protect against a deep ball, you open up the short middle of the field, which is where two is going to thrive in all the RPOs. So like, how do you factor that balance of protecting deep and helping on Hill versus the other areas that really fit what two is best at? Well, and I think to that point, this is going to be a, a, a big game where we see, you know, how much faster the Patriots really got at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that that's going to be a huge X factor in this game. But it, to bring up another matchup kind of related to this, like let's just say the Patriots figure it out on Hill because they have recently, regardless of what Mike McDaniel pulls out of his stat. And let's say Jalen Mills does a good job on Jalen Waddle. You know, I think I could see this game being won and lost with someone like Mike Kosicki on third downs. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, like, you know, how does Kyle Duggar do in those situations if he is put on him? You know, he had some struggles early in camp on tight ends. It looked like he got a little bit better. He had that rough play against Las Vegas Raiders. So I think, you know, making sure they stop someone like Mike Kosicki on third down, just in some of those key situational moments could be big if they lock down everything with the receivers that we're talking about. It's going to be kind of fascinating, too, just to see how the Patriots deploy all these defensive backs because yeah. they're really nine or ten deep at DV right now if you can, if you include the safeties and the cornerbacks. And I don't see even the guys that are – lower down on that cornerback depth chart, which right now the reserves project to be Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and Sean Wade. Yeah. I think those guys are playable at this point. I don't think you want either of them in a starting role right now, but there's nobody on this roster, even like yeah. Joe on Williams in the last couple of years, you're saying, man, if, if Williams is playing in this game, that's, that's rough. They're really going to pick on him. Obviously there's a drop off between the starters and the backups, but I think there's a lot of talent between that cornerback group and then the safety group, which as the four veterans, yeah. Josh Bledsoe looked pretty good this summer. I think the Patriots have the ability to do some creative and unexpected things in the secondary in, in uh, this season. I'm excited to see what they come up with. And ultimately, too, we talk about shadowing Jonathan Jones or shadowing Tyree Kill with Jonathan Jones. Hey, Jalen Mills, wherever Jalen Waddle goes, just be in his back pocket. Ultimately, when you look at the secondary as a whole, the talent's obviously at safety. You mentioned mm-hmm. the four guys. Let's just rattle them up. Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, and now Jabril Peppers. Ideally, you would play more three safety then three corner nickel and if you go die maybe it's three and three or four safeties if you can fit it in the problem doing that then is you're probably playing more zone which you don't want to give up a whole lot considering the rpo package and that you know it's easier to get those catch and run plays so how do they strike that balance and also if you go to all this time defense we haven't even brought up the running game which okay chase edmonds raheem moster not top 10 top 15 maybe not even top 20 running back in the league but what they are very fast and so if you give up an outside zone play, which you were going to see from Miami, and he finds a crease and gets off to the races. Like, screw all the matchups and all the secondary reshuffling and all of the coverage and brackets, whatever. Like, you're down seven nothing, and they haven't thrown a pass yet. And previous games against the Dolphins, obviously different scheme, different personnel. So who knows how much you can actually take from it? But yeah. the Patriots have really struggled against the run against the Dolphins in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the, the their games in Miami each of the last two seasons, both late season games. They just couldn't stop the run at all. It was whether that was Tua on some keepers or Miles Gaskin or Salvan Ahmed. I think Salvan Ahmed had like 100 <laughs> yards in the last year's game. It's just been a real problem for them the last two years. And on paper, 
the Dolphins should have a better running game this year with the improvements they made to their offensive line, some of their guys like Chase Edmonds, who they brought in in the backfield. So that, I think, could continue to be an issue for the Patriots. And it's one we, I agree, haven't really talked about because there's been so much emphasis on Tyreek Hill and Tua in that passing game. And I, I would add, too, I think not all the issues, but a lot of the issues with the, like, that we could see with the secondary and with Miami's passing game, now, a lot of those can be alleviated if the Patriots have a strong pass rush. I think that's one of the more encouraging things that we saw during training camp preseason was I thought the front seven looked really good. I'm really interested personally to see how Christian Barmore does in this game. I want to see if he's kind of taking on more of a three-down role. Does he kind of leapfrog Lawrence Guy either early on or at some point in the season? You know, how, do Matthew, how does Matthew Judon do? Uh, he looked great during training camp. Who's playing opposite him? It's an Anthony Jennings. But if the Patriots get a lot of pressure uh, on Tua, uh, I think that could, you know, help them a lot with, with covering Miami's depth of, depth of the pass rush this year is going to be a, a real need for the Patriots because last year you had you had Matthew Judon, who was great for three quarters of the year. You had Christian Barmore, who had a lot of really strong moments as a pass rusher. Then there was a pretty big gap before you got down to anybody else in that pass rush. They need four, five, six guys who can contribute there, not just the top two. Yeah, yeah and this goes to the old creepy defensive coordinator saying, if you cut off the head of the snake, no. you know, that's it. Like, you pressure the quarterback, and we can list off in the same way I talked about the running game, where, okay, you take care of everything in the back end. We don't have to take care of things in the back end from a defensive standpoint if your pressure gets home, and that's what they're really counting on. Armstead's going to be an issue, but often Jackson vulnerable at right tackle. You know, some of their guards, like, could be taken advantage of, but we also said this before, at least I did, each of the matchups last year, both Miami wins. But I think this is a good way to end because at least defensively, there is hope starting with obviously Belichick, but also some of the guys they brought in. You mentioned the speed at linebacker. Mac Wilson is going to factor in. Yep. Christian Barmore, year two leap. Kyle Duggar, I think for me, if we had to nail down one area or position, you're excited to see tomorrow. It could be matchup specific or it just be like, I'm excited to see this guy period this season. Kyle Duggar is going to factor into some of their deeper coverages. He's probably going to see some of Mike Kosicki. He's definitely going to try to kill someone over the middle of the field, <laughs> and he's probably going to succeed. So for all of those reasons, I'm excited to see Kyle Duggar in year three, as with a lot of these 2020 picks, including Anthony Jennings. So I think have had their development kind of stunted just because their whole career has been dominated by COVID. Yeah, yeah you throw Josh Uche into yeah. that mix too as well. I think maybe hasn't really taken on the quite as large of a role as some people were expecting going into camp. Uh, I know there was a lot of projections that he might be that kind of starting outside linebacker opposite Matthew Judon kind of elevate into more of an every down role that hasn't happened yeah. so far uh, from what we saw during training camp in the preseason looks like he's still kind of that pass rush specialist. Uh, maybe that changes over the course of the season. Maybe he sort of sort of starts to take some early down snaps for, from someone like Jennings and gets more in the mix there. But even if he is in that, just that third down um, kind of passing down pass rush role, He's got to be more productive than he was last year. Last year, three sacks in the first two games, zero sacks, one quarterback hit for the rest of the season. Did miss some time with an injury, some time with COVID, but he played in, I think, 12 games last year and was basically a non-factor in about nine of them. So I'm really interested to see what they can get from him this season because he's someone who can provide that pass rushing depth that I was talking about. Yeah, and I'm looking at Raekwon McMillan. Uh, I, you know, I think it's a former Dolphin. Yeah, well, and I think he could have a big role in this game, and he's someone who we talked about the speed at linebacker. He definitely has that, and that could be a huge factor in this game for the Patriots. And obviously, he had the really good training training camp last year before going down with the injury. And I thought that there was a lot of buzz about him going into into the offseason, um, coming off that injury. And I thought it looked like he was a little slow getting getting going. But as camp progressed, and especially in, in the preseason games, I thought he really started to pop. You saw the open field speed. Uh, you, you saw his ability to tackle in open space. And I thought he really played well. And I just think if they can get a good performance out of him, and if his speed shows up, 
And if Mac Wilson speed shows up, I do not think this is an ideal game for Jelani to buy. <laughs> I think that would be a concern if he's out there. I, I want to see how Juwan Bentley does in this game because I still think Juwan Bentley straight ahead, you know, straight ahead going out the quarterback and going out the line. I think he does a really good job. I think he's good in run defense. I still think it's spotty when he gets stuck in coverage and the Dolphins could key on a matchup like that. Yeah, those those linebackers specifically, I, I think, are what I'm really watching. Bentley's a really good shout because you go back to, and I asked Evan McCourty about this today, their game against San Francisco in 2020, yeah. where the Niners absolutely tear them apart in the first half. Thank God that stadium was empty because everyone <laughs> would have left by halftime anyway. And it was Mike McDaniel on that sap, Kyle Shanahan, picking on Bentley, putting Jonathan Jones in impossible run fits, Debo Samuel starting out wide, coming into the backfield, and then zipping back for 15 yards. Like, that plays a role, and I think how do the Patriots protect Bentley? One quick aside on Raekwon McMillan, because I think you're right. He, he did show improved speed, but it's also a, a way to highlight how speed at the linebacker level in New England has been so bad. Right. Because relative to the rest of the league, Raekwon McMillan in the speed department is average. Right. But what gets him a half step ahead are those instincts, which is going to be number one with a bullet every time, in addition to being at least 235, 240 pounds. What gets you to play linebacker in New England? You must be instinctive. That is non-negotiable. Um, but that keeps him a step enough ahead because they want to have size there, and that's why they're still playing with a Bentley and a McMillan in there, who I think will be an interesting player. Um, but for me, I think moving down to 3-2-1, we got three keys, two matchups, and then one extra point. I'll start with one key. You go next, and Zach, finish this off. Perfect. My key here is going to be defensively, and it's going to include those linebackers both in the middle and off the edge. But I think you have to drop eight a lot on Sunday. And it's not because, you know, you need to protect totally against Tyreek Hill. It's not entirely because you need to cover the middle of the field. It's not because, as J.C. Jackson said yesterday, last year, when Tua doesn't have his first read, he'll throw it up. It's because of all of those things. And I think ultimately, like you've seen them handle Tyreek Hill in the past, most recently Kansas City in 2020, they dropped eight a lot. And our outside linebackers go in short zone. It's man across the board and then one or two high. That's a formula, I think, that takes care of your coverage matchups. It stops those quick RPO slant throw windows for Tua. And eventually, Judon and Barmore and maybe Anuche, if they get to third down, gets home. Like that, I think forcing Tua to be patient is your winning method. You just have to be patient defensively as opposed to trying to hit the easy button with an all-out blitz that then lets Tyreek Hill lose for 60 yards downfield. Agreed. Yeah, for, <laughs> for me, uh, it's not really an X's nose take. I just think they got to get off to a fast start. No. I, I think that's the bit, the most important thing for them. I mean, it really doomed them uh, towards the end of last season. All those games at the end when they really started sliding, it was slow starts. The indie game obviously comes to mind. And then against Buffalo, uh, I think that it just started to snowball in all those games. And I, I think if it happens in this game, if they get off to a slow start, they get down, you know, a couple of scores early, uh, especially with all the pressure I think that's on this team, whether they want to admit it or not, all the talk about the offense, all the things we've been talking about all offseason, I could see it snowballing, snowballing rather and getting ugly pretty quick. So I think, you know, if they get off to a good start, they feel good about themselves going into halftime. I, I think that'll go a long way towards them pulling out this game. For mine, I go back to the first point I mentioned in this podcast. It's the offensive line. They've got to be better than they were in the preseason. They've got the communication just needs to improve. You can't have the free rushers. You can't have those run plays that keep getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage. And for this offense, for any offense, if you, you're immediately in second and 13 because you had a, a three-yard loss on first down, just puts you in a difficult spot. And I'm really interested to see how the Patriots handle the in-game adjustments mm -hmm. from the offensive line, because as we've talked about ad, ad nauseum, week one, nobody really knows what either of these teams is going to come out with. The Patriots are going to see some things 
pass rush related or, or defensive scheme related that they weren't expecting. And if Matt Patricia is calling the offensive plays, what's that process going to be like on the sideline when they come back, when, when David Andrews and the rest of these offensive linemen come down and sit on the bench, who's going to be the coach to sit them down and say, all right, we saw that Ogba was doing this and Christian Wilkins is doing this. Like we need to, uh, we need to kind of adjust our, 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 our checks in, in this situation or uh, whatever it may be. Is that going to be Matt Patricia or is Matt Patricia going to be over talking with Joe judge and Bill Belichick and Mac Jones uh, about uh, a play calling issue from the previous drive. And if that's the case, is it Billy Yates who we saw be up in the booth for the first half of some of the preseason games? Are they going to say, David Andrews, you just kind of coach the guys up. Uh, you're a captain. You've been around for a while. That's going to be such an important aspect of this game is adjusting to things that they weren't expecting from Miami. And so far, we, we don't know what that process is going to look like. So it's hard to have confidence that the Patriots will be able to do it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Zach, because I was going to say you don't complete your Patriots podcast bingo card unless you bring up the offensive play dog. Yeah. Somehow if we people are drinking at home, that would have been waiting for their first sip somehow, and there it just came. Somehow we made it almost the entire way without it. But I, I would just add on to that like a, as just a, an overly simple X factor, just Matt Patricia doing a good job of calling the place. I mean, we've talked about it so much, like is he up for, is he up for the task? Is he qualified? Like I think that's just obviously a huge thing going into this game. And does he just do a good job? Like as simple as that sounds. And I'm still in the camp that I think Bill might start and like call plays anyway I'm and i somebody, yeah. it's it's a possibility he might take it over later it might all be on patricia but this just seems way too much way too soon for me and bill understands it and i don't think we need a whole lot of practice but uh tbd we're not gonna spend too much time in that <laughs> two matchups i have already determined these because um this podcast is a dictatorship and not a democracy um first one we hit on earlier and i'm glad we hit the break because we're going to do him now jacoby meyer and he's going to be in the slot primarily against either nick needham uh, I don't think we'll see old friend Keon Cross in there, uh, former special teamer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to help them. Practicing the weather. Thank you, Keon Cross. Instagram account. Um, it'll be him versus Noah. Ig- see, I made fun of his name in the email, and now this is screwing me up. Igbenogany. 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 Yes. Not Igbenogany Flangely, which is how I very kindly wrote this in the email. Jacoby Myers versus either Needham or Noah. Thank you. Will be the biggest disparity they have in any of those receiver matchups. So when it comes down to third and six, when it comes down to the red zone and Miami is playing man coverage because that's what Miami does, that's the option to think that Mac is going to take because Jacoby Myers led everyone by a country mile in receptions last year. It spoke to trust. It spoke to separation. And you're not looking at Devontae Parker if he sees Xavier Howard. You're not looking to Kendrick Bourne, who we haven't seen in three weeks. Um, and Nelson Aguilar, maybe this is a game for him. But ultimately, I think that's the most reliable matchup and will be a really important battleground and probably more of a bellwether for the whole offense. Yeah, I think you'll see Hunter Henry maybe into that mix mm-hmm. on, on some as a third down security blanket type guy. But it's it's still Jacoby Myers. I think it's a different debate over whether it's a good thing that Jacoby Myers is your most productive and most reliable <laughs> receiver. Probably not. The Patriots probably hoped that one of these receivers they brought in the last couple of years would be that guy by this point. But I mean, the point stands last year, Patriots brought in Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, number one receiver in training camp, Jacoby Myers, number one receiver in the regular season, Jacoby Myers this year, they go out, they make the trade for Devontae Parker. They draft Tyquan Thornton in the second round. They bring back Aguilar, bring back Bourne, number one receiver in camp. Jacoby Myers, and it wasn't even particularly close. No. Uh, I do think that Aguilar had a good camp, but it was clearly Myers who had that strongest connection with Jones, who was the most consistent, who was the most productive, especially in those third down type roles. And 
I don't see that changing this year. I mean, the Patriots are hoping somebody else elevates and maybe even supersedes him in that department. But from the role he plays and how productive he's been, I think he's going to continue to be an extremely important player for Matt Jones this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I would also add, and you brought him up, and maybe I'm just starting to talk myself into this, but I, I just have a feeling that Nelson Aguilar is going to have like a sneaky big year. Or yeah. It's just better than last year. I, I think he looked a lot better during training camp. I mean, Again, maybe he's just saying it, but Mac Jones like speaks as glowingly about him as he does anybody else in the team. So it wouldn't surprise me if Nelson Aguilar has a good game. Remember, his best game of the year last year was Week One against Miami. That uh, was that game. was one of my earliest offseason takes that Nelson Aguilar is going to bounce back first. Yeah. Uh, stat that I've cited a million times, and then I took a break, and then I think I mentioned it in some hit last week, and was like, oh, it's been it's been long enough. Yeah, I can read dust off this back. stat that when Mac Jones was throwing twenty yards downfield, he was least accurate to Nelson Aguilar, his deep threat, which is his only big major skill. And so when Nelson Aguilar doesn't catch a couple passes that are just absolutely outside of his reach, that takes away a good 40 to 50 to 60 yards, double that 80 to 100 to 120 yards. You add that to his total last year, it would have been a normal season. Right. You add one of those to this game, Right. That is a touchdown that you supposedly get from nowhere becomes unexpected and change the whole matter. Oh, the play that we saw against uh, the Panthers, I think it was, when they connected for 52 yards, one of those yeah. would be huge. Yeah, yeah would right just, down the sideline of yeah. preseason. Yeah, and if they connect on one of those, obviously that would go a long way. And I think one other note, real quick, with Jacoby Myers, I think it is worth noting that he's been dealing with that knee injury. I don't know how severe it is, but he was forced out of that Raiders game. They were kind of quiet about it a little bit. He's had to sleep on uh, during practice. I don't expect him to, you know, to, to not play this weekend, but you know, you never know. Maybe he's more limited than than we than we expect. That was subconsciously really trying to talk yourself into Nelson Aguilar. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, like I'm going to bump him yeah. up and then bring Jacoby down a little bit. He's a little already. Yeah, Jacoby's on a snap count. Nelson yeah. Aguilar. Okay. Okay. So we're sick with Jacoby <laughs> defensively. Uh, Matt Judon is going to see of a huge disparity in uh, offensive tackle quality. If he's on the right side of the defense, he will see a lot of Teron Armstead, all pro. If he's on the left side of the defense, he will see a lot of Austin Jackson, first-round pick that the Dolphins are still trying to talk themselves into. And I think Jackson's developed a little bit. But bottom line, if the pass rush um, gets home, it will be because Matt Judon gets home. If they're setting the edge of the run game, it will be because Matt Judon is setting that edge, not necessarily a Josh Uche or Anthony Jennings. He has to win on Sunday. Yep. And again, I think... For the Patriots' long-term benefit, they want to make that not be the case at some point mm -hmm. this season, that they can have success defensively. If Judon has an off day or completely falls off a cliff like he did last season. But yeah, right now, it's hard to imagine the Patriots' defense having the any sort of dominant performance if that doesn't include a, a big game from Matthew Judon. So I think from the disparity that you mentioned, it would behoove them to line up Matthew Judon opposite Austin Jackson pretty frequently in this game because Teron Armstead is one of the better tackles in the NFL. Uh, it was interesting right after Matt Judon had his comments about Tua this week, where he's basically said, I respect him because he's an NFL opponent. That's he, was asked, he was asked, he was asked about Teron Armstead and he called him <laughs> one of the best offensive tackles in the league and a really good player. So there are some opponents that Matthew Judon is willing to praise. Uh, Tua is not one of them, but Teron Armstead definitely is. Yeah. I, I don't really have any doubts about whether or not Matthew Judon is going to show up and have a good game this mm -hmm. weekend. I think, he, I thought he looked great, especially towards the end of training camp. And He's had a good summer. Yeah. And I think with all this time, the Patriots are going to find some sort of way to scheme up practice for him uh, to put him in a good position to succeed. Um, so, yeah, my question isn't about how he's going to do early in the season. It, it just remains, is it going to be the same fade that we saw last year? That's that's my biggest concern for him. Who knows whether it's going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe I'm overly confident, but I, I think they're going to find a way to, to have him go off this weekend. All right, one extra point. What have we not said? Uh, I think Johnny Smith bounced back here. Ooh, uh, I think he's looked... start this weekend. Yes, mildly. Uh, our buddy, <laughs> our buddy Sammy P, 
uh, mess and betting guy uh, messaged me the other day. I think it's plus 525 uh, for Johnny Smith to catch a touchdown this week. I said, smash that. I like that bet. I think his, his the fact that he was at OTAs and was healthy for minicamp and was healthy for all of training camp, I think that's going to make a gigantic difference for him this season. That coupled with some scheme changes that you see, I think the Patriots, look, they knew that Johnny Smith was going to be on the team this year. He was due something like 12 million. He had like a $15 million cap. Hit. He's going to be on the team the next yeah. two years now with well, that restructure, that, with that restructure <laughs> yeah. which I think even speaks more to this, more yeah. of the confidence that they might have in him. They knew he was going to be part of this offense. I think they made some changes to kind of accentuate some of his strengths, uh, which is getting the ball in his hands in space and letting yeah. him run. Cause even last year, which was basically an abject disaster after week two, he still led all NFL tight ends in yards after catch per reception, third overall wow. That's in the NFL. That's I think it was behind that. I think it was Rondell Moore and Debo were the only players that ranked above him in that stat, according to um, according to next gen stats. So, so this is above expectation. No, just in general, yards after catch per reception. Oh, per reception. Okay, per reception. Okay. Yeah. So he was obviously there weren't nearly as many receptions yeah. as the Patriots were hoping. He only caught, I believe, 29, 27 or 29 yeah. balls last year, but he was effective when he did have the ball in his hands. I think the Patriots are going to find more ways to make that happen. And after what we saw from him in training camp, he was. Maybe their second or third best pass catcher behind Jacoby Myers, maybe Nelson Aguilar, maybe throw one other guy in there. He was, yeah, second leading in total yeah. catches in the game. Yeah. Johnny Smith, bounce back. I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah, uh, and for me, we'll see how healthy he is if he's going to play in this game. But I think Ty Montgomery uh, is someone that could be a huge factor for this team. Uh, again, we can talk about, you know, with the state of your offense, if you're thinking that Ty, Ty Montgomery could be a real pivotal player in it. But I think he was he was the busiest or passing down back during training camp. And I think it's going to be big for Mac Jones to find cheap yards somewhere, uh, especially in this game and throughout the season. And again, we don't know if Tom Montgomery is going to play. I'm surprised that he's back at practice. It's really given how that injury looks against the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Patriots used him during training camp in the preseason. Like he was going to have a big role in this offense. Uh, we, there was a lot of talks about Ramondre Stevenson, maybe taking on more of that third down role, being more of a receiving back. And maybe that does come to fruition, but if the training camp was in the indication, Tom Montgomery is going to have a big, big role in this team. And so I, I think he's just going to be a really important player, not not just in this game, but throughout the season, if he's healthy. All right, my extra point is going to go to special teams. Um, and I, I initially wanted to go spicy. Like, we will see some sort of fake. Like, they're just going to go, we need this game. We came down on Tuesday. We're installing a new offense. We even showed any of it in the preseason. Like, just another egg and that basket. But I think – Dolphins love special teams fakes, too. Yes. Um, the more probably salient point is just the fact that they're replacing a new gunner opposite Matthew Slater. And if Tyree kill is allowed to return punts, that becomes a real problem. Now, Jake Bailey could just as easily send it into row six of section G. And then we don't have to worry about this, but you can't have breakdowns again as a team. That's an underdog on the road against a division opponent. So watch those sort of plays. The coverage from the kick teams and the punt teams is now all of the background. Those goes, goes down. <laughs> I think this is two and on creeping in on us. All the bounds have been cut off and then we'll be cut off too. But I think it's just, it's a small thing that could come up in a big way, particularly as all of these teams are ironing out the details that you just, you just can't see until you're live and the bullets are flying as much as you had three preseason games. All of those are back on special teamers. All these guys are regulars now and you're trying to replace a, a star regular in Justin Bethel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, three guys I saw working in that role in practice the yeah. other day. Lil Jordan Humphrey, currently on the practice squad. They'd have to elevate him if they want to use him there. Uh, Jonathan Jones, who's done it before, was a yeah. gunner early in his career. But if he's a starting outside cornerback, maybe you don't want him sprinting 60 yards down the field, then having to cover Tyreek Hill in the next play. And an interesting one, Pierre Strong. I feel like we didn't see him 
doing much nope. gunner work during the summer. Didn't see uh, much of anything. Didn't see him do much of anything. He did. He was doing some kick returns, some other special team stuff. But he was out there working with the Gunners the other day. Uh, Cam Acorn, uh, special teams coordinator, said earlier this week that they've got a lot of fast guys that they're trying to work out in that role. Pierre Strong, if he's anything, he's fast. Ran a four three seven forty. Maybe that's some way that they find a way to squeeze him onto the game day roster. So yeah, it's it's another underrated kind of unsexy thing, but it is going to play an important role in this game when you got a guy like Hill back there. Yeah, and one other quick special teams point. I'm just curious to see who's going to return punts. It looks yeah. like it's probably going to be Miles Bryant, but we talked a lot about Marcus Jones this offseason. I just Gunnar Olszewski isn't here anymore. I'm just curious to see who returns punts. Don't don't remind me. <laughs> um, all right, from Gunnar Love on to the mailbag. Some love in here from Ashley on Twitter. Um, she says, we have always have had a t- uh, tough time speaking. Uh, no, winning in Miami. As a Pats fan, what makes you think this year can be different? So, uh, first of all, not a fan, but if you're making a case for the Patriots to win tomorrow, I think you go, you know, it has to be a fast start. Some of those new bells and whistles with the offense come out early. Miami is not prepared, even as an experienced defense led by former Patriots coaches. And then defensively, Tua will throw it up. You know, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. And if you're able to keep a lid on that offense and force them to play from behind and dictate terms early, then that is much better than playing from behind, which they did in both games last year. Yep. All of those points add in the fact that you're going to be playing a rookie head coach who has yep. not called plays at the NFL level because he was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco. So that was Kyle Shanahan's job, Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, I think there's going to be some growing pains at some point this season. Uh, I know Mike McDaniel's kind of a, a media darling uh, has been for the last couple of months because of his goofy press conferences and whatnot. And I think he definitely has a lot of talent, but difficult to come in your first game as a head coach against Bill Belichick. Yeah. And for me, just to rehash two earlier talking points, just contain Tyree kill. It was a recipe for success against the Kansas city chiefs. And if it works against them, it can help you beat the Miami dolphins. And, and again, I would say explosive plays. There's gotta be an explosive element uh, to the offense this weekend. Keep the dolphins defense honest. I think they really got to hit on those. It can't just be dink and dunk and running plays. All also time. Ashley frequent contributor to the Nesson.com Patriots mailbag. Hey, so I love that. It. Appreciate Cro- all the questions. Crossover. She's great. Um, yeah, and you know what? So, sometimes it just boils down, do you have the better head coach? Do you have the better quarterback? Yeah. And that was probably true the last couple of years, and they lost in Miami anyway, but McDaniels knew. So there's a lot to be learned about him on Sunday as well. All right, last one from Lord Savage of the Dark. Uh, Lord Savage, <laughs> fre- just frequent. And, yeah, I, <laughs> I saw it early. <laughs> okay, we might. I was scared at first. Weird and depressed, but also fabulous. Well, Lord Savage of are, the Dark. Are we all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> why does everyone... Yeah, God. Why does everyone care about the practice facilities? Don't they get the job done fine enough? Look, I don't know if this is the second time or third time that you've covered your favorite team going to a Division two school without a football program playing on the cross fields, but it's my first time. So I care about this a little bit considering <laughs> we're down here because of them. Now, your second, second point that it should get the job done fine enough. Clearly, the Patriots think so. We asked this of them this morning. Universally said, ultimately, if you care about, you know, having a, more luxurious water station or a real field goal post. Maybe that's actually important. Like you're caring about things that don't matter. If you have white lines and everyone's positioned and you have enough space and time and film, you can practice anywhere. And I think this is just them kind of going in reverse in training camp where teams used to do this all the time, go to a faraway college, stay there and be isolated. They're just doing this now to really lock in on the opener. So I think ultimately, yes, it's probably fun. I mean, novelty is notable. The fact that the Patriots have not done this, it makes it notable. They're practicing right. essentially at a high school field. It's not a high school. It's a division two college, but 
I'm sure some of the players on this team had better facilities at yeah. their actual high school, especially at prep schools. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And if you look back at where the Patriots have done these, these uh, kind of sleep away practices, whatever you want to call them in the past, they were at uh, UCLA two years ago. They were at the air force Academy. Typically it's at some sort of college with a real football facility. The fact that an NFL team is practicing at a school that does not have a football program or a football field. That's weird. That's interesting. Again, I probably, I don't think it's going to have. It's weird. Sort of it's depressing, interest. but it is a little fabulous. <laughs> there. So it's right up your alley. Lord Savage. To the door. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to matter. I think David Andrews today, he was kind of like, what do you mean? It's just another Wednesday practice, even though obviously it's not given where they are, but I think ultimately it'll be just fine. Uh, I think to go back to that, the Bart Scott quote that you talked about earlier, I, I agree with you. I mean, calling it, the desperation play was a little strong and he was really sort of playing up like the variable of some of the younger Patriots players, like getting distracted in South beach. So I, I, I don't really buy into all that stuff. I don't think any yeah. of them were taking a two hour Uber <laughs> yeah, exactly. from Palm beach, Atlantic, Southeastern sunshine state, <laughs> right. sailfish university. SCLSU. Yeah. Yes. But it, it just, to me, like it, it, being there just feels like, I don't want to say that they settled, but it, it does kind of feel like that. And it just feel like Bill Belichick was going to, make this trip happen at all costs, no matter what, even if they had to play in this kind of a setting, which to me just sort of reinforces, you know, how seriously they're taking this game compared to other years. Yeah. He said there were other options that they looked at and this was the best one. I would which really, is- <laughs> really love to know what those other options were. Legitimate sandlot. But yeah. yeah, you're totally right. This spoke to how intent they were on finding a place to be in South Florida for this game. Ultimately, I think it's a good move. So if you want to zoom all the way out and skip over the fields and the timing and the facility, whatever, they're at a very nice hotel. I can tell you every single night being taken care of. They will sleep well. They'll have rooms to watch tape and break down and meet and all that. That's what matters. They're practicing. I think it's fine. But yeah, they wanted to be here. Well, we started with the fields. We ended with uh, practice. They're going to play finally Sunday. We're going to have real football to talk about, not all this theoretical offense. And they might do this or it should look like that or Shanahan this um, but we've also ended in the dark with the Lord Savage Dark. If you're watching on YouTube, my face has been covered for 20 minutes. Zach and Dakota are getting close <laughs> as we sit under a cabana outside a pool and not uh, Del Boca Vista, but uh, Boca Raton. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we'll have you back and hopefully with some uh, more high noons and some more real football as we find. We made it. We made it. Can't wait. Got a Thursday night kicking off in like 20 minutes. Yes, we should go. We should. Thank you. Thank you.